0: and welcome to episode three of the BTSS podcast. This time, we'll be talking about corporate social responsibility, aka CSR, and its role at the BTSS, as well as considering its importance and the importance of pro bono work more generally within the wider trainee community. My name's Amelia, and I'm delighted to be joined by my fellow trainee and committee member, Natasha.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Natasha.
0: Before we get started with today's episode, As ever, if you've got any questions about the episode or if there are any more topics that you'd like us to cover, then please do get in touch via our Instagram or our website. And I've put links to both in the description. And if you've not yet listened to our previous episodes, then please do go back and give them a try as well. This episode is slightly different in that it's not going to necessarily revolve around the training contract itself per se. Um, We thought we'd discuss how CSR functions within the BTSS before moving on to considering its wider importance in the legal industry and the challenges facing trainees who want to get involved. But first, let's hear more from Natasha. So for the eagle-eyed listeners out there, you'll know that this is the second Natasha we've had appear on this podcast. So Natasha, for our listeners, can you tell us a bit more about your role on the committee?
1: Of course. So I'm the Charities and Corporate Social Responsibility Mm -hmm. Officer. The main part of my role revolves around organising and facilitating fundraising and volunteering for our Charity of the Year. And this year, I've also worked with Birmingham Law Society's Pro Bono Committee regarding pro bono work. So our Charity of the Year this year is Let's Feed Brum, which is a fantastic local charity. Um, You might have heard of them already. They're uh, a dedicated group of volunteers which provide essential supplies, food and friendship to homeless individuals every night of the week in uh, Birmingham and they also have a breakfast club on Tuesday mornings. One of the reasons that we as a committee chose Let's Feed Brum was the fact that you could volunteer with them and it didn't require a lot of training in advance It's pretty much the case that if you do want to help, all you have to do is turn up on the day. Going out and providing people that really need it with hot food, a hot drink, which, you know, they might not have had at all that week. And just giving them someone to talk to. I think friendship is like a real key part of volunteering with Let's Food Brawl. And I know that in their WhatsApp groups, they're always talking about, oh, have you seen so-and-so today? He wasn't there. So it definitely is like forming a, a community really. And it's so rewarding to to think that you've been able to help. And it's so easy to do. Like most of the walkabouts that they do are around 6.30, 7 in the evening. And it's usually for an hour to an hour and a half. So it's a really easy thing to do once you've finished work, uh, which is what I did and just just pop down to the meeting place and if anybody does want to get involved then do feel free to email me I'll give you my email address at the end of the podcast.
0: Yeah they're such a great charity um, and you've done some fantastic work with them this year which we're going to come on to Um, but firstly As with the rest of the committee, COVID was a huge spanner in the works in terms of what we'd planned to do this time last year, really, wasn't it? When we were applying for Mm -hmm. our positions, the elections. And yeah, just crazy to think how much COVID, we didn't really even anticipate it at the time, I don't think, when we were running for our positions. Um, No, not at all. We were elected and then I think it was like the week after that we were in lockdown suddenly. So the whole landscape of our roles just changed drastically really overnight almost which is crazy to say considering COVID's been going on for so long now but anyway so how has COVID affected your role then over the past year?
1: Well my role's been quite different this year in comparison to the previous year because Um, My understanding last year was that the fundraising focused mainly on the charity raffle, which was held at the ball at the end of the year. And a big part of the role, sort of pretty much from when you were elected, was sourcing prizes for that raffle. Whereas obviously we haven't had the ball this year. Um, So I've had to look at different routes for fundraising. So how has fundraising had to adapt then
0: for the BTSs?
1: Well, for the most part, it's been virtual. So obviously, when we did our sort of proposals for the committee and what we hope to achieve in our year, most of the fundraising activities that I'd suggested and hope to put into place were activities that involved us being there in person. So I think one of the ones that I really wanted to do was a sunrise hike up Mount Snowden as a sponsored event. But obviously we couldn't do those kind of things because of the pandemic and we had to look at virtual fundraising and it was quite tricky because obviously the social secretaries were organizing virtual events and everybody I think probably by sort of April, May was quizzed out and there was a bit of reluctance towards attending too many virtual events. So this year more than any other year I think there's been a lot of Collaboration with incorporating charitable elements to other events, so as not to overload our committee members.
0: Yeah, and I think the challenges you faced have been faced across the board, really, with charities and their own fundraising teams. Um, I think, yeah, as you said, like a lot of people, you know, after the, after lockdown one, just can't stand the thought of doing another virtual quiz. So. You know, that was really popular at first and a lot of charities mm-hmm. had great success with that. But then it's like, well, what do you do next? But So so how has Let's Feed Brum been affected by this as well?
1: Well, they've been affected quite a lot because they used to have a soup kitchen, which they would have every night of the week. And homeless individuals or vulnerable individuals who needed support, food, clothing, would go to that one particular point. And they would all socialise there together. It was a a hub, basically, where they could chat to individuals. They could make sure that they had enough toiletries, enough clothing, all of that sorts of things. Whereas, obviously, when COVID hit, that couldn't take place anymore. So they adapted and they decided to do walkabouts. So basically, the volunteers split into groups of about three or four. And Birmingham City Centre was split into zones. And they basically walked around those zones and whoever they met along the way who needed food or toiletries or clothing, uh, they would help. So that was one of the the main ways that they've been affected. And it obviously affected their Christmas event because normally they have a uh, sit down meal. And this year they had to do a Christmas takeaway event instead. So it has affected them, but they've adapted really well.
0: But it's not all doom and gloom, as you say, organisations have had to adapt and you've had to adapt in your fundraising approach. And you've, I know, like from first hand experience being on the committee that you've worked really hard and you've achieved some really great things with your role. So what have been your personal highlights this year?
1: I think one of the highlights was the BTSS Bake Off. Um, so that obviously involved working with the social sex, which was really nice to have a collaborative approach. And, and to be able to work as part of a team and to be able to coordinate the fundraising element to that event which was a huge success um, due to their dedication and promotion of the event. It really was a team effort I think and we managed to raise over a thousand pounds at that event and then the other one that really stands out for me is the uh, 24-hour festive feat. So I don't know If you saw it on our Instagram, but if you haven't, you can certainly catch the highlights on there. But it was eight committee members um, all took part in exercising for a collective total of 24 consecutive hours to raise money for Let's Feed Brum. And it was hugely successful. With anything, I was slightly worried at the outset when I thought about this idea, would people like it, would people get engaged with it and I was really overwhelmed and pleased by the support that we had and we managed to raise £1,233 through that event and again it was great because it was a collective event it was working with other members of the committee to to really pull it off.
0: Yeah and I think it's testament to the trainee community as well that they're still engaging with charity events and that CSR in this form at least, you know, it's still at the forefront of their minds and it's not just been left behind and forgotten. So I think it is a real all-round good effort from everyone involved. So now we're going to move on to the second half of this episode and consider the wider role of CSR in the corporate and legal community. So CSR is something that most if not all trainees will have heard of or perhaps been involved with in some capacity but Natasha what what does CSR look like in practice and how do firms approach this?
1: So firms have lots of different initiatives for example some firms have charity events that they run throughout the year um, for all of their employees to get involved in other firms have pro bono targets Some firms have designated volunteering days where their employees can go and help at different initiatives that they want to get involved in and larger firms even have CSR teams or officers which are responsible for managing this aspect of the business.
0: One interesting thing I heard today actually was another firm that has CSR as one of its time recording codes so... Employees can actually time record whatever CSR activities they're doing and then if they reach a certain target by the end of the year, then they get a bonus. That's um, so good though. Really cool. Yeah, I think that would encourage would encourage a lot more participation and not just have it be perceived as something that firms do just for their public image, if it's something that they're actively encouraging from the inside.
1: Yeah, and it's I think really it would to. help at a senior level as well um, because – would we'll obviously talk about it later, but one of the main issues with pro bono work is the supervision and people who are more senior having enough time to supervise those junior people who want to get involved in the pro bono work. So
0: mm, definitely. Helpful. So there, there are lots of reasons why law firms and other organizations might participate in CSR. Many quite naturally see csr as the moral obligation of corporate organizations to give back to society and the communities that enable their success the csr is really for the betterment and furtherment of society and it's right really that organizations profiting from society should reinvest back into the system which facilitates its success but there are not only strong moral reasons for engaging in csr firms really do reap the benefits internally as well so i was reading some quite interesting research in preparation for this episode um and it was showing that employees who participate in csr are more engaged with their job they've got a more positive relationship with their employer and with their colleagues as well because often during sort of firm volunteering away days that you mentioned earlier natasha many firms allow allow their employees to take days off to Volunteer at a charity, or they might have their own sort of internal initiatives set up that that employees are allowed to be involved with, um, and often they do involve teamwork in some capacity. So, whilst also the moral purpose is really the main thing, but employees are still developing their teamwork, their innovation, collaboration skills, and this translates back into the quality of their work as well. Um, and then, lastly, there's the obvious. Reason why some people might cynically think organisations engage with CSR, and that's the reputational benefits. But I kind of want to steer away from being cynical about this because I don't think it's fair to really say that CSR is only done for marketing or PR purposes. But it's worth considering the positive image that CSR has um, on a on a firm's reputation, especially when perhaps tendering to future clients. It's something that often clients will expect to see represented in tenders. So it's it's kind of a permanent staple, really, in that regard as well. So let's move on to consider as well the importance of pro bono work. And this is fascinating to me because I, certainly from my experience when I was at university, um, pro bono work was really highly encouraged at the university for students to participate in, not only for their own um, work experience. It's a really great way to gain that, that work experience without having to necessarily be at a firm. But also, I think the the fundamental principles of pro bono and why that's so important for lawyers. You know, access to justice is at the heart, I think, really, of what, what lawyers are about. But I do think it's fair to say that there is a bit of a drop off when it comes to being a trainee. Um, I can't think of that many trainees I know that, that are involved in pro bono work. I know people who are involved with CSR and do a lot of charity work. Being a trainee is a is a really difficult job. You Perhaps you won't have the physical capacity or the mental capacity to just take on anything else outside of work. Many trainees are involved with internal committees alongside their work or external things such as BTSS. So perhaps pro bono is just an extra thing that perhaps gets put further down their list of priorities. Um, but then, as you mentioned earlier, Natasha, there's also quite a bit of red tape regarding trainees and pro bono work so particularly in relation to insurance conflicts of interest so what kind of infrastructure do law clinics have to ensure that any trainees who are doing pro bono work aren't acting in conflict with the firm that they're working for themselves um and yeah hopefully you you're going to talk a little bit more about some of the solutions that that could be out there um and i think there's also a question as well of supervision needs so for a trainee to be involved with pro bono it's perhaps it's a bit similar to when you're a student you know you, you still need a lot of supervision and is it is it actually more of a hindrance perhaps to have a trainee involved with pro bono work given that you could just get a solicitor to potentially do the work quicker Natasha um, I know you recently attended a Birmingham Law Society event on this exact topic so could you tell the listeners a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, of course. So we held a hackathon event in conjunction with Birmingham Law Society Pro Bono Committee, and the reason for the event was basically to come together to try and participate, participate in some problem solving, and um, the aim of it was to try and come up with a solution or a suggestion as to how we can get more trainees involved with pro bono work because like you say it was recognized that there does seem to be a drop-off when it comes to trainees participating in that kind of work and I do think supervision is a key element of it and I think perhaps one of the big differences between university and being a trainee is probably, I don't want to offend all of our student membership. But you do have a little bit more time, I would say, and a little bit more flexibility around when you can engage with pro bono work. Whereas I think being a trainee, sometimes you might work longer hours. and um, Sometimes you will have more rigid hours and pro bono work might need to take place at a particular time of day. So I think they are challenges, but I do think they're things that can definitely be overcome. The event itself was held the second of november the first event was to discuss exactly that to discuss those challenges and to introduce our panel so uh, that was obviously myself um it was rachel sutcliffe who is another trainee solicitor at anthony collins solicitors uh, amy tabari for a corporate social responsibility manager at gowlings and michael Bates, who's the head of services for birmingham central england law center the the main barriers that we identified were one supervision uh, two, time having the the time to to work on something like that when a lot of the time as a training, you're constantly gaining new skills and being Im- immersed in areas that you uh, don't necessarily have that much knowledge of at the outset and i think that there is a perception that adding a pro bono work to that where again you're in an unfamiliar environment and you're trying to build similar sort of skills and that it was just a bit too much really mm. so that was the main thing that they that they highlighted
0: and I guess it's also uh, a good thing to reflect on that fact that just because trainees aren't necessarily engaging in pro bono work during their training contract doesn't mean that it's a write-off forever it's perhaps something that you know you you are more equipped you've got more capacity, more expertise and experience to be more involved with it once you are qualified.
1: Yeah, and I think with the supervision element, not everybody feels confident enough to to reach out to people and to ask them to supervise their pro bono work. So I think as you become more confident and more experienced in your training as a solicitor and qualifying, all those sorts of things, um, you might feel a bit more comfortable with that.
0: Yeah. So, what were kind of the proposed solutions then that that Chinese put forward during this session?
1: So, there was a few different proposals that were put forward. Um, one of them was basically about increasing social media presence and trying to promote pro bono work within the legal community and making it more accessible for trainees so that they are aware of the projects that required help so that was one of the the key proposals and that actually highlighted the fact that people might not be aware of the Birmingham Pro Bono Network and um, you can follow them on Twitter at at Brum Pro Bono and You can follow them on LinkedIn through Birmingham Pro Bono Network. So that was an initiative that was set up by Rachel Sutcliffe, who I previously mentioned was part of Birmingham Law Society's Pro Bono Committee and her colleague, Misha Howell. And they set up the Pro Bono Network as a social media platform. So it's on LinkedIn and Twitter and it's to raise awareness of pro bono initiatives that are going on in and around Birmingham as well as other opportunities that people can get involved in. So if you're interested in pro bono work, that's definitely um, a great source of information, as well as the Birmingham Law Society actually have a section on their website about all of the opportunities that are available for pro bono work. So if you are interested, then make sure you check that out as well.
0: So were there any other solutions in relation to those red tape issues that I mentioned?
1: Well there's a really good idea which the um, the panel absolutely loved about setting up videos uh, basically like an instructional how-to type webinar that can be used at law centres and perhaps publicised in other places That so that individuals who have a particular problem or need help on a particular issue can follow th- these webinars um, and then that will solve the problem in terms of supervision because yes the the video itself would need to be supervised um but that would only probably be be once one check of the video and then it's there for everybody to use who needs it
0: that's a really good idea and it goes hand in hand as well with what you were saying about improving social media presence as well as pro bono Mm -hmm. having more accessible resources out there for people is is also going to be key in this digital age Definitely.
1: There was one team which put forward the idea of having a platform which law firms could sign up to to participate in pro bono work. Um, it was quite similar to LawWorks which has a volunteering site uh, where they publicise the opportunities um, or publicise the projects that need, need support. So it's very similar to that. So the outcome of that was that it might be worth getting in touch with LawWorks and seeing how they can improve their current platform because they suggested a tier system um with an accreditation like the duke of
0: edinburgh bono
1: is that what the duke of edinburgh system is i don't know i don't know
0: i didn't do it i wasn't one of those people but i know there was like (laughs) gold (laughs) silver and bronze wasn't there
1: (laughs) i think so i'm pretty sure it was the um bronze silver gold system and the panel did think that that would be a great way to improve the LawWorks platform and might encourage smaller firms to get involved
0: mm. well lots of interesting ideas floated around um mm. and yeah hopefully this has been interesting for listeners and given you some food for thought and yeah I think just the overall message really is that it's it's almost in trainees hands as well isn't it what how much they want to get involved with CSR and pro bono yeah. and perhaps it's sort of up to them to take the initiative to inquire internally because I know a lot of firms do pro bono work internally and that's that almost solves the, the supervision issue because mm. if it's internal then that's an internal problem isn't it and it also solves the conflicts point if if trainees are doing pro bono work internally but I think a lot of firms are bad at actually advertising which what pro bono work they're doing Amongst their staff. So I think, yeah, it's, it's almost on the trainees to kind of seek out those internal pro bono opportunities. Yeah. So I think that is all for this episode. So do check out our AGM, which is coming up next month. So you can find out about the upcoming election on our website, find out about the different committee roles. And if you're interested in running for a role yourself, then do feel free to come along to our cocktail event next week and you can hear more from the committee members about their roles
1: if um there are members who won't be able to attend that event and they have any questions about the charity and csr role that they can email me uh, at the bcss charity and csr at email address and i can answer any of their questions there
0: great And yeah, if you have any any questions for any other committee members, then um, feel free to message them on LinkedIn as well. I'm sure they'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. And yeah, I think that's it then, Natasha. We're free to sign off and (laughs) probably get back to work. I do need to do that. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so much, Natasha, for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you found the the episode fascinating as we did and yeah if you would like to become a member of the btss do check out our website and you can find out about how to become a member we've got the new six month memberships uh kicking off next month so perfect opportunity to become a member if you've been thinking about it and not ready to take the plunge now is the time so that's that's all from natasha and i thank you very much everybody and goodbye
1: thanks everyone bye